My name is Kanye West. My name's and I listen to and you suck. And this is the <laughs> Spellburn like podcast. A really cool guy. Spellburn. So I listen to the Spellburn podcast. Spellburn podcast. I go mighty one, our sacrifice begins. We commence. Spellburn, a podcast about the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. It's time to party like it's 1974. The Spellburn podcast is now on its 93rd episode. It's hard to believe, but it's true. Back when judges Jim, Jeffrey, and Job started Spellburn, they were mainly setting out to verbally pour over the new Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG. Eight years later, Spellburn is here to stay, but there are other great podcasts about DCC out there, including the Foreign Beggars, Raven Lord, and Dirt Boy Blue's actual play podcasts done by Harrison Hunt and friends, known collectively as the Tabletop Twats. We're excited to have another international DC superstar with us today. I'm Judge Julian, and with me are Minoc, uh, I mean uh, Judge Jen. Hello, hello. <laughs> And Grimmauld, I mean, uh, Judge Jeff. Hello. And our guest of honor from across the pond, Mr. Harrison Hunt. Good afternoon, or whatever time it is where you're listening to this. But hello. <laughs> it's so, as I was saying off air, it's amazing to be here. This is a, this is a dream for me. And the studio you have what? here is just amazing. <laughs> well, hell, the green room, we're especially proud of the green room. So pour yourself a scotch, and then we'll head on into the tavern. <laughs> Welcome, friends. I only had one drink to calm my nerves. And give it a drink of your most expensive tavern talk. I should say um, we did rename our, our podcast, um, but only recently. So it's actually three the three T RPG podcast now. There's no need to redo anything, but I just I, I should let the all listeners know. We didn't want to be vulgar for the rest of our lives. These are important things to know. Well, we. Uh... I really have been looking forward to saying twats a lot on this podcast. <laughs> so please don't, uh, or twat. I mean, I think it's twats, but um, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's good to say. Let's, uh, that's, that's good information. So quickly here in the tavern, uh, we will run down uh, what we've been doing in gaming for the last X period of days that is sort of a week and sort of a month, depending on our interval. Um, I'll kick it off with uh, some fun news that we started our first inaugural uh, DCC uh, Minneapolis DCC RPG Society public game because we were badgered about that at Con of the North a month ago, uh, why we don't do any public games and how can people get involved and et cetera, et cetera. So Judge Gary ran uh, Sour, uh, Sour Spring Hollow? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Shutter awesome. Mountain's funnel uh, said it was real deadly, so fun. and a good game. And we, yeah, we had a good full table come out, including some regulars and some noobs, at least one newbie. And uh, you, we're looking to, to do this monthly. So if you're in the uh, Minnesota Twin Cities type area and want to make it down, uh, you can certainly contact me, and we will hook you up. But uh, it's going to be a monthly thing, and we'll we'll put it on the Goodman Games site as well. Uh, yesterday's was at Tower Games in South Minneapolis on Nicollet Avenue. And, uh, you know, future games may move around or may not. So uh, stay tuned for that. And other than that, it's just prepping for GaryCon. 
with some Dying Earth games and some DCC Carcosa games and uh, also make, beginning to make arrangements for DCC Day, which is pretty exciting. I guess we should talk about that a little bit. May 16th, Saturday, I believe, it will be DCC Day. And uh, yes. nothing too concrete at the moment, but there probably will be in the next few weeks. We'll name a location and we'll have a lineup of at least two or three games here in Minneapolis. And I presume, Jen, you'll do something similar uh, Dungeon Games in Estero, Florida, absolutely. Uh, they've already been in contact with the Dark Master, and he's refusing to give out any concrete details until after he makes the initial announcement at Gamma this year, which I think is like today or yesterday, based on recording time. So by the time this hits, everybody will know more than we do right now. Sorry. <laughs> hmm helpful <laughs> yeah well i mean there's certainly some new adventures and stuff that's been on his uh on the website right uh yes dcc day number one will be shadow of the beakman by harley stroh and the uh free book i'm not sure how that's gonna work like if it's one per judge or one per person that comes in like it would be for like free rpg day like I said, we, we don't know the specifics yet. Yeah. Um, but the other book has a an MCC mod by Tim Callahan, a DCC Lankmar mod by Harley, and some schmo wrote a regular DCC module that's in there too, I think. Yay. Oh, oh yeah, that'd be Julian. Yay. <laughs> yes, we're, we're quite... Well, anyway, yes, I'm quite excited to see it and uh, art and stuff like that. And it should mm-hmm. be super fun. I'm actually really excited to read uh, Shadow of the Beakman and also to read the heist or play yes. in the heist because I played in an early playtest of that a couple of years ago. So, yes, that would yes, be. I, I did try to dig up names of playtesters for you. Yeah, exactly. I tried. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. How about you, uh, Judge Jeffrey? Well, um, it's been two weeks since we recorded our last episode, and I wasn't, uh, I didn't actually have anything on the books until recently. And then last night, I was supposed to go out to a place uh, that we affectionately refer to as Dirty D's, which is um, a Di- it's Diana's Deli or something. It's a it's a <laughs> restaurant in the area, but people call it Dirty D's. Um, but uh, oh yeah, it's RPG Night at Diana's Deli was going to be where I was going to go last night, um, but just finished up with midterms, just finished up moving from one bedroom of the house into the attic. Uh, all of that happened this weekend, and I'm just really tired. So um, I decided to not go to Dirty D's. I, I canceled, unfortunately, but there's like 10 people who went. I'm sure they saw a great time, and it's a monthly thing, and I, 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 I plan to go to the next one, uh, but I, I, had to, I had to tap out of that. Uh, the Mothership campaign is still going, but we've not mm-hmm. had a session in the last two weeks. The next next session will be this Saturday. So next time we record, I can tell you guys about how that's going. Uh, but since the last episode that we recorded, I haven't done anything official. That was a very long way of explaining that. <laughs> yeah. It was, a long way to say I didn't do something. That was, that was a 90-second yeah, 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 exactly. excuse, so I would say. Love you, Jeff. <laughs> very nice. Hey. Nicely done. <laughs> Judge Jen, what have you got for us? Um, uh, pretty much the same as your last notes, 
prepping for Gary Con. Um, for those who haven't signed up, I'm running Lankmar, 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 and more Lankmar. And incidentally, that is the lineup for uh, UK Games Expo as well. Mm. And yeah, I might, get a, might actually get to meet Harrison this year. And I am actually going to UK Games Expo, so that, that would be not? awesome. No, oh, I am. You are? Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, please. Awesome. And, it should be great. That's cool. Uh, Sunday, I'll be working the booth all day. I didn't realize Brett was going to be shorthanded. Otherwise, I might not have signed up to run five games out of six slots between <laughs> Thursday, or between Friday and Saturday. Uh, but I left Sunday open so I could be in the dealer's hall and be a little bit more accessible to, you know, everybody. Um, DCC Day, I know that we're planning on running uh, two sessions over at Dungeon Games, we're going to pretty much take over the place and we'll have anywhere from two to four judges running tables at various times throughout the day. Cool. And are you going to yeah. get some Pyramid Crawl Classics in there, do you think? Um, maybe Shamrock Games, if that's the name of the place. Uh, I'm not terribly familiar. Uh, the, there's one towards Port Charlotte closer to Sarasota that Troy has been running at lately. Hmm. So he may spread the love up there instead of bringing it down here for a change. And, oh, and I think we decided that we're going to have a mini Brinkmanomicon day and uh, that'd be the first Saturday of May. So cool. it will be all sorts of busy. Hmm. I'm thinking that um, I, I, I've got a really packed schedule at GaryCon, but I was thinking mm-hmm. I might do... A, a sort of five-day LARP event called COVID-19, which would be like a um, <laughs> don't touch me, just do sign language around the door, like wear a saran mat wrap kind of. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what it's going to be, but... As long as it's a LARP that we can all win at, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, and I don't know if you've heard about this, but apparently there's like a whole new uh, strain of coronavirus porn that's available on like Pornhub oh that's God. becoming why? a big thing why? now. Yeah. Why is this even coming up here? <laughs> <laughs> why Why would you have to say that after mentioning a LARP like that either? That's not okay. Oh. And don't, it doesn't... <laughs> And doesn't the LARP thing seem kind of porny around the edges? I'm always like, isn't this going to turn into... Vampire LARPs, definitely. definitely. Yeah, 100%. yeah. I'm, I'm just... I mean, that's cool. Like, whatever floats your boat is fine with me. I'm, I'm not judgy about it. Um, I'm just saying, uh, yeah. Hmm. Well, anyway, I hope we all have a, a hermetically sealed and safe uh, and fun Gary Con. That's all. I like how you phrased that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And how about yes. uh, protection is a must? Yeah. So Harrison, how about yourself? How how do you um you know in the midst of running a an awesome podcast and a bunch of actual play uh, gaming, how how do you get to do a bunch of other gaming on the side or at least some occasionally? I do yeah. Um, I've I've been running a weekly game with uh with the same bunch of people for for the last. Five years we've played like a bunch of different stuff and at the moment i'm really sorry to say i have been playing dnd 5e well i've been running Oof. actually Oof. but but I mean, halfway I through um <laughs> i'm glad but yeah half, halfway through the campaign uh yesterday we actually i ran a funnel and i did um we went and played some dcc for a bit and i did um what was it called uh 
Carnival of the Damned. That was it. Oh, with David Bateson. Yeah. Really, yeah. really cracking adventure. Very fun. And I had it, so it was mid, mid campaign. I had all the characters turn up to the carnival and then they saw this guy and the guy was like, oh, let me tell you about what just happened here. And then we flashed back to, to a couple of weeks ago where they were playing all the level zeros. And that is an incredible adventure. It's, it's so much in it as well. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, visiting all those little attractions. It's just hilarious as well. But I, I absolutely love it. So it's probably one my number one third party product at the moment, probably because I've just played it. But yeah, really awesome. Yeah, it's very fun. So now, Harrison, the 5e game that you're playing, are you playing because you want to be running 5e or because the players want to be in a 5e game? Um, it was actually because I wanted to run it. The, the premise behind the, the campaign that we're doing at the moment is that all of the heroes have come into possession of a disused monster zoo and they have to populate it again with monsters. And so <laughs> I thought d and is a good system for that because the monsters are really detailed and things like this. And yeah, it's been fun so far. Yeah, and capturing is definitely harder than killing. Exactly. That's yeah. that's kind of, that was kind of yeah. what I was thinking. And so they yeah, they've got like a duck man, several orcs, some goblins, uh, a gelatinous cube, an owlbear, like loads of these things in their zoo. And it's it's been really awesome. But yeah, it's it's also the first time I've ever played 5e and it's been out for donkey's years, but I only just got around to it because I thought it was a good system for that type of game. But yeah, I've I run a lot of different stuff, but at the moment that's that's what I've been up to. So I like to trash talk Five E a little bit here and there, but I actually kind of it, it's great to have it out there. You know, I was giving blood of all things on Friday, and the nurse the nurse's boyfriend said the nurse said her boyfriend is playing D and D with his workmates every weekend. Anyway, to just as to make a long story short, of course, they're a bunch of younger folks and they're playing 5e. And I, I was like, man, that's great to hear about. I love to hear it. It's just, I think it's become pretty popular and it's, I'm sure it's a gateway for a lot of people to come into the hobby, which is really great. So I, I I'm actually always don't mind happy. it as well. As, as an addition, um, as an addition, 5e, I actually think is is okay. It's not. It wouldn't be my game system of choice um, at all. But I, I, I've enjoyed it, and it's been pretty fun. So, yeah. yeah. Kind of the thing that I hear uh, said a lot is that 5e is everybody's second favorite version of D anD. d Hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd actually say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, more gamers at more tables, rolling more dice is good for me. So exactly. Um, and I reserve my right to trash talk it as much as I like. So the the sad thing is, though, I spent I spent years sort of trash talking it and hating on it a little bit because of certain things I thought were that I didn't like when I hadn't even played it. And then as soon as I got around to playing it I, on the podcast, now I had to do a big backtrack and say, you know, actually I do like it now. I'm sorry for everything I said before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know I think uh, it is a. Uh, it's the sign of a smart person when they keep an open mind and are willing to change their opinion when they get new information. So good for you. And maybe Thanks, one day, I Julian, you'll be able to do that. Uh, no, <laughs> no I, I'm, I'm firmly set in my ways. So, uh, Jen. How don't we know it? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Jen, uh, do you want uh, to. Uh, be the first to reach into our email bag and pull out some email. Sure. Let me grab a bumper first. <laughs> Brilliant. Go ahead. I call upon the flame to suck. I hold deliver the message for me. 
I came here to give you these facts. Summon email. All right. Uh, you know, I could have sworn there was one in the queue before this, but I, I, Julian seems to be screwing with our mailbox. I was going um, to read Harrison's lovely email to us offering to be on their, you know, to do a campaign thing, but it would be fairly mm-hmm. redundant. And then I was just going to read it in try to do Harrison's accent, which, and then I thought, <laughs> that's not going to be that much fun. So, I mean, okay, I, I thought that would be a long, you know, it wasn't a long email, but um, anyway. It, it, I do love it when people try to do an English accent, though, and especially when a lot of people, when they want to play a smart character in an RPG, they'll often put on an English accent, and I love it when American people do it because it's always so terrible. Yeah, it's... I I make no pretense, yeah. Harrison, can you you say, hand me a Budweiser in American? (laughs) Hand me a Budweiser, yeehaw! (laughs) Not bad. I, I I thought your I thought your um, your uh, American accent was particularly good, but anyway, we can save that for later. Um, the beer is in the pickup. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're in Florida, so that's different. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so getting back to, on, on track here, uh, I have an email. It is from Ray. He says, "Big fan of Spellburn." Started this tabletop gaming hobby 10 months ago at the advanced age of 37. Immediately wanted to try game mastering something. We play D&D 5e and Vampire the Masquerade. Listening to Spellburn helped me with the confidence to judge a DCC first level one shot with pre-gen characters for the group on a story break week. Great reaction from the players who want to continue the story left incomplete after the scheduled four hours. Alignment languages came up in the game. This was the Old Gods Return holiday module. The purple sorcerer first level character generation had given one of the characters the chaotic language. He believed he would be able to understand the very chaotic monsters in the module because of this. I had reimagined the cursed gnome-like creatures as tiny gym bros (laughs) and was describing their body language as they yelled things at the PCs. I adjudicated this asserted ability to understand the language by improvising the dialogue moving forward, but I was caught off guard and was not confident that was how an alignment language should work. Can you speak an alignment language? How have you used them? And explain how they should be used. This was something from AD and D, wasn't it? The the alignment language thing. Am I am I wrong? Yeah. There? Was it from first edition? Yeah. No. Of course, for sure. Exactly right. And the uh, so I did a little rereading on this and was trying to figure out how different it was from AD and D because in AD and D, as written in the player's handbook, it actually it's actually written that your character just starts play knowing your alignment language, like neutral evil or whatever it was. Obviously, it was always neutral evil for my characters. And, you know, but it doesn't really say much more about it than that. But somehow, if you are just hanging out with a bunch of adventurers and you happen to be sitting next to the neutral evil guy at the table, you you guys can strike up a rollicking neutral evil conversation, um, it, which obviously never quite made sense and was mostly ignored. Um, or or somehow torturously hand-waved, I think, in the old days. So I went, I mean, the DCC part of it always struck me as a remnant of that or sort of building on that. So I went back, now I'm talking <laughs> through the chime, because I've done the research. So I went back and read this, and 
the DCC version doesn't say that everybody starts with their alignment language, but rather it just says some people know an alignment language, the language of chaotic beings or lawful beings or neutral beings, and you can roll it randomly, which implies to me that it's different, that it's it's the ultra-chaotic language. It's the language of pure chaos or the language of pure law. Uh, it's the language of pure law spoken in the uh, gymnasium on, on uh, Fish Finger Friday, for instance, when you have your, your beans of law. Uh, it's a little foreign beggars uh, reference there for you, but um, that kind of thing. So I don't know. That's my take on it. Well, my take on it is is kind of similar, you know, because in DCC, in the Appendix L, when you roll up your languages, there are a ton of languages in there for for things that theoretically aren't even supposed to be in Dungeon Crawl Classics. You know, we talked about how, like, you, we don't have bugbears and orcs and hobgoblins and things like that. Every monster is unique. Yet in the alignment table, there they all are. Uh, but the way that I view the law, neutral, and chaos alignment languages would be if you are somebody who did randomly roll that up, then yes, you do get to kind of speak this uber language. And since alignment in DCC RPG is generally viewed at, viewed as like a cosmic al- uh, alignment, then what I think that means is if I speak chaotic, then that means that when I speak, anybody who is cosmically, cosmically, cosmically aligned to <laughs> chaos, whether or not they know it or not, can understand what I am saying. Uh, but in my mind, if they can't speak um, chaos, they can't respond. Um, you can you like you can hear the language of it, but you don't know how to speak it unless you happen to know how to speak it. So I would imagine that like lords of chaos speak chaos and lords of law speak law. Um, but in order to respond to somebody, uh, you'd have to use whatever language you happen to know unless you know that. Hmm. Is it is it like a demon who speaks chaotic? If he, you know, he can go to any plane of existence and try to get the soul of a of somebody who's trying to sell their soul or what have you. So the demon can actually speak chaotic to any chaotic creature, right? When the demon shows up in Appendix N, he doesn't have to worry about speaking whatever, uh, you know, Melnibonean, right? He just talks to Elric. Yeah. You know, mortals have to learn languages, but demons don't, and angels don't either. Like, angels don't appear suddenly and worry about speaking Aramaic, right? They exactly. Start. So maybe it's that kind of thing, the, the Ur-language that those planar beings speak or something. Did you have a thought on this, Harrison? <laughs> oh, I was just going to say I'd love to hear what um, chaotic language actually sounded like. But I don't know. I just, I've always found the um, the idea of alignment languages a little bit silly. But yes. the way you guys have explained it is the that it's just... But the, the trouble is, even though you guys have explained it very well, what it doesn't account for is when you change alignment, do you just then forget how to speak it completely <laughs> and then suddenly can speak this other language? It just that, That's the kind of thing that really gets my go. I get it like the highest people in the planes of law, the lowest people in hell, you know, these people can speak this language. But what about if one of them is saved and then becomes neutral, you know, whatever. It, it would just, it doesn't make sense to me. I've always found it a little bit silly. In in the way it looks to me in new DCC, the uh, new DCC in the DCC. Bite your tongue. Well, no, it's, <laughs> it's second it's, edition, Julian. Yes, uh, in the annual. No, the way it looks at the in whatever page four forty when I was looking at it, you can actually know alignment languages that are not yours. So in fact, it doesn't have to be, you don't automatically in DCC know your alignment language. Mm. So. 
in fact, if you can learn somebody else's alignment language, and you, you that would be really helpful for trying to decode those spells and runes in the ancient dungeon and so on. That's yeah, where yeah. I was going to go with it. I think it'd be especially useful for somebody trying to read the, the language mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. just speak it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the little cursed gnome creatures and the old gods return. Yeah, it kind of says they have their own little language going on. So it makes sense that they wouldn't necessarily be able to catch on. Hmm. So I, I think the posturing and and the little gym bros, that, that image is great and pretty fitting for the mod. It's hard to imagine they they are so subtle that they need a written language. But um. I don't think they have their own written language. I think they're all just a little bit too special to be literate, if mm, catch my mm, drift. Mm. <laughs> it, I just ran it a month or two ago. It, it's pretty well written in, as far as that goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I could take just half a second of the timer, Jeff. I'll point out that DCC Lankmar does away with alignments and alignment languages. Mm-hmm. So your starting languages are based on where you grew up and where you're from, basically, your place of origin. And everyone starts with the equivalent of common, which is low Lankmarese. So it's a pain to try to fit all of that in a fillable PDF sometimes, especially when a wizard has like six or eight languages that they get because of all their intelligence bonuses. But there we go. Yeah. And you can you can roll the doom of being illiterate, which of course did happen to a wizard in my City of the Damned game. So we I, now have an illiterate wizard in that game. And uh you know I obviously an illiterate one for the playtest. Yeah. yeah. It <laughs> for works a fine. Year. Mnemonics, mnemonics, you know, it's all good. (laughs) All right, uh, Judge Jeff, do you want to take the next uh, missive? All right. This one says, greetings, burners. I really enjoyed the rapid fire review format of your most recent podcast. It was cool to hear about so many products in one episode, many of which I own but haven't had a chance to look at yet. Look at yet. I definitely enjoy Bronx Beasts and have used it in my MCC games already, but for a different kind of mutant. I played a lot of Palladium Books Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles RPG back in the mid-80s and was always a big fan of their bio-e point system of customizing your mutant, which is emulated in Bronx Beasts. Although I don't use Bronx Meets Beasts to play a TMNT game, I wanted to share that the Palladium TMNT game was based on the much darker comics from the 1980s and not the campy kids cartoon that followed. I think that the (laughs) rules set out in Bronx Beasts lend themselves well to recreating a similarly dark mutant campaign, or campy if you prefer. Thanks, DM Kojo. Awesome. Thank you, Kojo. Uh, yeah, that's pretty, I, I think Bronx Beasts, uh, has a lot of applicability to a post-apocalyptic type setting. You could easily toss those in there as a third mutant option beyond, uh, MCC and American versions. So that, that would be, yeah, they'd fit right in. You could even Mm -hmm. keep all their origins the same and stuff pretty much. So yeah, it would be, it would be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm happy to announce, I think the Bronx Beast was the top vote getter in my MeWe poll for my Dungeon Crawl Carcosa game. I let people vote on which classes uh, 
I should generate for that. So I, I'm going to have a, a Bronx Beast, a Gray Alien, I think was number two from America. And then, um, uh, well, Hot Dog Suit and Clown Knight <laughs> and uh, a few others. And then some, some bog standard uh, DCC classes as well, of course. Because if you sign up to play a game and you really, really want to play a dwarf, you're going to, you know how it is. You're going to play a dwarf, yeah. Yeah, you're going to cry if you don't get your dwarf or whatever. I say let him cry. Yeah. Have you... uh, Give him a zero-level dwarf. When he dies, then he can pick something else to play. Harrison, have you messed around with Bronx Beasts at all or, or seen that? Because I, I'm actually I'm actually not familiar with it, but I I didn't I want to sound stupid, so I didn't mention it. Oh, it's uh I I can't I don't know if you're you know how much of a teenage mutant ninja turtles person you were myself almost none, but which I think it even kind of helps and makes it even weirder. Mm. Um, beca- but it's about anthropomorphic animal mutants in like modern day kind of you know 1980s perhaps type uh, New York and and that kind of stuff. So it it just seems kind of like it would fit right in. Um, well, you know, it could be a great cyber crawl classics uh, feature actually. Yeah, um, definitely. It could fit in. Yeah. Yeah. So I maybe uh, that. Um- that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one, the Palladium one, I reviewed it a while back. And we, while we were playing it, this is a complete side point, and I'm very sorry, but while we were reviewing it, we figured out that um, if you were a pigeon and you took the hands hands mutation and mm. dual-wielded Uzis and got psionics, that was like the broken way to play the game. So you're a pigeon <laughs> with hands. I like that better than the hot dogs, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, the Bronx piece is actually set up similarly, uh, as Kojo says, and but I don't know if it has that breakage point in there. I'm guessing Dan <laughs> Stevie didn't put that in there, but maybe he has a little, you know, uh, love uh, note to TMNT Palladium. He did put it in there, so now I'll have to uh, go it check it out. It sounds good. Is, is um, Bronx Beast an OSR thing then? No, it's um, a no. it's a DCC. Um, what would you call it? third party uh, zine? Zine, yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, they might have, have it at the booth at UK. Nice. Yeah, I have to check yeah. that out. Yeah, Sounds and good. Uh, yeah, Dan Steeby uh, slipped me a copy um, at Gary Con last year, and somehow I was able to I paid for mine. <laughs> well, <laughs> I will just say that somehow it it actually survived. Uh, several drenchings in spotted cow and other, you know, uh, substances and made it back into my luggage and back to Minneapolis. So uh, thank you, Dan. Uh, and more to come with uh, one or two animal mutants uh, in Carcosa soon. So thanks for uh, the emails, uh, Kojo and Ray. Uh, and really appreciate your guys' uh, emails. Uh, please email us at theband at spellburn.com, which annoyingly enough, I'm going to repeat later. And uh, let's head on over to Mighty Deeds and talk to our guest. Let the combat begin! To the death! Why behold, our hero. Oh, so you want to play rough, eh? Well, take this! Mighty Deeds. So here we are in Mighty Deeds, um, and the first thing I'm going to say, because I think we haven't said it yet, is Harrison, thank you for um, some epic bumpers you have provided to Spellburn over the last <laughs> three or four, uh, I, I'm not sure, there was the Kanye, there was the yeah, Doug. 
I was surprised you used the one of me saying Spellburn. I was trying to make the jingle less than a second long. That I mean, it was really stupid. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I loved it. And I'm glad you noticed that I did use it. Because I, I was like, the only people who are going to notice this are the people who don't fast forward through the usual bumper. Yeah. The intro no. music's too cool. I can never fast forward it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was... <laughs> Definitely made me uh, crack up when I heard that. On a uh, let's see, by the time you hear this, it would listeners, it would be the second to last episode, I believe. Well, um, and the idea that cracked me up is somebody who is listening to the show for the first time, if that was their first episode, being like, "What the fuck <laughs> kind of bumper do they have here?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> so you don't. So, uh, listeners, if you'd like to if you have a good idea, an irreverent and silly idea to do a bumper for Spellburn, please uh, go ahead and contact us. Send it directly to the band at spellburn.com. And uh, you don't have to be quite as funny as Harrison, but it doesn't hurt, that's for sure. Um, so, uh, enough of that. So, let's talk about the three T's uh, podcast. And uh, Harrison, you know, just tell us about how you guys got started and, uh, you know, obviously then into DCC and so on. Yeah. Uh, so, originally, we the the show is all about reviewing weird and wonderful stuff and gaming and roundtable discussions and things like this. And, uh, well, actually, funny enough, we I came across DCC and then we started doing an, an actual play thing. But I came across it at a Savage Worlds convention where somebody was saying, telling me how great it was. And then suddenly I, I had, had to go and buy it. And it was awesome and loved it. So we started doing these actual plays um, based on DCC. It's me, my friend Nick, and my other friend James, who play the two main characters in all of the actual plays. And our original thing was that what we were going to do was we got the the uh, Goodman Games treasure chest with all of the modules in there, and we were just going to mm, run them nice. all to kind of demo the game. But obviously after three, four episodes, it really went off the rails. And um, yeah, the guys, it, it, the story sort of developed by itself. And so I started running loads of different modules and linking them together via a story. And it was it, the, the, the actual plays were kind of a thing to try to demonstrate DCC and also to get more people in our country to play it as well. Um, but unfortunately, most of our listeners are American, so it didn't really work out. But um, How does... No. no. <laughs> well, you do have Sean yeah. Richer, at least, I saw. That's, yes, he's a friend of mine, actually. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's a very, very lovely bloke. He wrote... Um, Tales, Tales, Terror of the Stratosphere. Yes, I've got it on yes. my shelf. I was just, ah. yeah, yeah. No, that's great. So tell us, you know, um, so the three. So as you're doing the actual play, and we're going to talk about that a lot, but you're also still, you know, basically in parallel doing the three T podcast, right? So you're you're still doing topical RPG generally stuff, right? Yeah, we try to. So uh, we do, we release two episodes a month, and one of them is a typical podcast like thing. And we can also, you know, unpack our, our experiences with playing DCC and the the actual plan, talk about it, discuss it, and also topical things. And then every then the next episode that month is is an actual play, although there hasn't been one for a couple of months now. But we're we're getting back onto it very soon with our new one, Wizard Cops. But um, yeah, the yeah. So we we do do we have both on there. So if you're a fan of the actual play, you can subscribe and just subscribe to that. Or, or if you like the other podcast, then that's something you could do as well. But yeah, so we kind of try to do both. The the actual play's kind of replaced one episode a month, basically. So hmm. yeah, hmm. 
Yeah, it makes sense. I I listened to a lot of the um, – I got kind of sucked into the actual plays for obvious reasons, but then I listened to a bunch of the earlier uh, tabletop twats as well earlier, and the uh, – they're they're quite the early fun. ones are really bad. They're, they're, they're especially <laughs> they're really terrible. I was list- I listened to some of them back recently to remember what it was like, and I was I was trying so hard to be funny, and it was really not funny at all, and it was it was horrible. I can't listen to it. We actually um, added a little thing in at the beginning of our first episode, just saying this one's a bit rubbish. Go to about episode ten, and you'll <laughs> yes. have a better time. Yeah, there the, the, I sort of I do sort of remember hearing one of those. Uh, but but you know even that irreverence is is actually pretty funny. Uh, I will the one so listeners who are new to this, um, if you want to just try one of those generalist uh, type episodes, the the one on Fatal the RPG had had mm-hmm. when I was walking around it's it just as I tend to do on my commute, just walking around listening occasionally to podcasts, usually to music, but occasionally to podcasts. I was I had innocently. Put, you know, I knew what Fatal was, which is a crazy, trashy, early 90s role-playing game that's probably unplayable as well as totally over the, you know, over it's the top. It's a nightmare. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nightmare both of design and complete weird sickness somehow. <laughs> exactly. Um, but without going into all that stuff, uh, I mean, the the episode in which you were sort of riffing on the book, reading portions of it aloud, basically, and riffing on the book, uh, it just had me in tears. I was laughing so hard. I was afraid that I was, you know, that the various people alongst my regular commute route were going to jump me or something because they saw me, (laughs) you know, stumbling around uh, crying. Um, So, I was beginning to look like an easy mark or something. And, you know, I was, uh, it's really, uh, so that, it's quite a bit of fun. And uh, the Fatal episode in particular, uh, is fun, and I've seen that. Uh, I haven't got into your Steve Jackson episode, but you do, you kind of do some episodic things about gaming history and stuff, uh, which is fun. So, yeah, we started recently. Uh, it was uh, the beginning of last year, actually, when we rebranded from the previous name to the Three T RPG Podcast. We decided we wanted to do stuff that was a bit had a bit more like um, you know long lasting appeal, and, and that you can learn something from, not just a book review, and so. My friend Nick, I mean, all of you guys would already know about the Satanic Panic, but my co-host Nick did a whole episode on that. And it was super interesting considering it's not the era that I grew up in. And yeah, it's it's good for people that don't already know the story. As is the recent one about Steve Jackson getting raided by the Secret Service, which is an insane (laughs) story that I I, I didn't know about until I did research for that episode. But it's just, yeah, it's really mad. Yeah, we like doing doing all types of stuff, really. Um, But especially... Um, if we're if we're doing like the kind of discussions and things like this, we we nowadays we do like to jump into the history a bit of RPGs because it's I just think it's it's fun and interesting, um, you know. And well, I hope hopefully anyway. Well, and I would actually recommend uh, episode fifty one to any of our listeners because it's all about improving your role playing. Oh yeah, and I forgot we did that. Some great some great points on that. I I came back. I'm. I'm telling my hubby, so-and-so at our table would just get ribbed without without mercy for his accent. And <laughs> <laughs> some, of the, uh, some of the advice you gave was really something that, that I will be taking to my tables. I'm glad you liked it. That means a lot. 
And I and I want to say I um I don't want you to feel bad about you know if you think some of the earlier episodes were weaker. In fact, even in Spellburn, the first forty three kind of trash you know the around uh, 44 actually, i would go a little further i'd say the first 47 i you know it's good say 48 in the 40s there's a market uptick <laughs> in quality I mean, uh, really i i thought it was great until about episode 24 uh, yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah okay fair enough so uh harrison i do have a question for you though mm-hmm. the image that you have for 3t Mm-hmm. It looks like uh, it's cartoon drawing, and it yeah. looks like an elf, yeah, a guy dressed up as a maid, That's and me. like a typical fighter type. Which one was which? Um, I'm the one dressed as a maid. It was supposed to be a reference to the fact that I, I I used to go on all the time about Japanese RPGs, and I still do to an extent, but we did an episode on the uh, role-playing system made, and yeah. I yeah. got Such a wild all system. of my peers... Yeah, it's really fun as well. But all of the people that I know from this industry all chastised me for it, told me I was wrong to like it, <laughs> but they're wrong, all right? It's wow. it's such a great game. Made is awesome, but it's 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 There's utterly no stupid. Fun. Exactly. But it, no, I, okay. I will say we did get some strange looks when my wife caught us playing that. Did it uh <laughs> did it in, inform the role of the butler that James plays in Ravenlord at all? The, you know, did you bring some maid mechanics in there and uh, uh maybe a little bit, but we we um whenever we come up with the the characters for all of the actual plays and stuff like this, we tend to unlike a, a normal game where we would sit down and like all roll up our characters in, in, you know and maybe do it as a session zero or in our own houses before we get to the game with the actual play, because we want to make it fun and entertaining for people that watch. We tend to workshop all the characters together. And hmm. I thought that James would be able to play a really good, like subservient character. And we thought it'd be a fun two person dynamic. So that that was how we came up with it. We basically just said, right, this is what you're playing. Cause I know you'll do it really well. And you sort of flipped the Minoc delusions of wealth thing right into the servant right yeah yeah pretty much yeah that was pretty fun uh we'll talk about well actually listeners if you don't know this stuff we'll give a better overview before we just dive in but uh so we should do that yeah we should do that right we should before we go there i'm gonna ask uh you know i tried guys this is your this is your first was this your first actual play that you did was foreign beggars for gcc yeah, um, that was that's the first one on this on the three T RPG podcast that we did was was for Beggars, but I had edited some for a, a different podcast before um, that you can actually go and listen to. So there was a, an adventure I wrote for Savage Worlds um, years ago now called Punted in the Bonds, and it's like a Guy Ritchie movie um, post office robbery adventure, and it's extremely fun it's a, like a gangster thing and um i did a an actual play of that on something called the wild die podcast and edited it and stuff and it i think it's it sounded pretty cool hmm. so you, are you gonna tell us how we get our hands on that later yes um so that one you can go and listen to on the the wild die podcast it's on like Podbean. wild die sorry wild my, my die. terrible ah like d-i-e die yeah, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a Savage Worlds podcast that I used to be on, but I'm oh. not anymore. Sadly. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll link. I'll find dig that up and link it in the show notes. Very good. Oh, and Harrison, thank you. I found your link to the YouTube page where you strung together all 
of the actual play podcast for 3T. Oh, I, th- that, was that was actually extremely that was, um, useful. I believe that that was uh, actually my co-host that did that. So thanks, Nick. Oh, thanks, cool. Nick. Thanks, Nick. Okay, thanks, Nick. Um, <laughs> I think that would be a great link to include in the show notes. And thanks for warning us about bringing them on. Um, you know, we, I, I knew your name best, and of course, you'd emailed us and helped us with the bumpers. But uh, you really tipped Julian, us off we're not ex- to how we're not supposed un- to explain that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I just, I'd hate to bring a drunken mess like Nick and, uh, you know, undisciplined uh, knave like uh, James uh, onto the show. Friend, right? So, you know, it's, uh, it's Wait, really. Do you know uh, them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks thanks to you, we've, we were forewarned. So appreciate it. And much, very good. So, should, now I really want to hook up with you guys in the UK. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we sometimes we call Judge Jen Zovia. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, okay. That's cool. Do you uh, do you want to uh, do you want to give us like a nice overview of uh, the first three? What do you call them? Seasons or series or sequences or you know uh, whatever we'll call them. The the main three. Either arcs is we've fine. Had. I don't mind. So sure. yeah, the first actual play that we did is a um, nine episode arc all about. Um, it's called Foreign Beggars, and it's it's two. Um, a hobbit and a dwarf in an all-human town that are beggars, basically. And they, not to spoil too much, but they accidentally set off a chaotic event so massive that it's it's the coming of the apocalypse, and then they have to then go and sort it out. Um, the next series involves one of those same characters, but it's um, DCC. I wanted to kind of... Um, show that you can use your, your your old stuff with DCC. And as a result, I yeah, I did a Ravenloft campaign called Ravenlord. Um, that was also very fun. And then the, we've just wrapped up, actually, Cybersprawl Classics, which is really, really great, by, by Brent Alt. And it's a, a little free zine that you can get for DCC that changes it into a cyberpunk game. And it is really, really bloody good. So, yeah, we just did that. And that's Dirt Boy Blues was that, that third one. Was that a... A, a module, or I'm sorry, an adventure of your own creation based on Brent's rules, or was that included with the the setting zine? No, um, yeah, that was that was all uh, my doing basically. So I, I I made up the adventures for that one. In the first, in Foreign Beggars, the first one, we used a lot of pre-made modules, tweaked mm-hmm. them a little bit, and things like this. But there, yeah, with the uh, Raven Lord and Dirt Boy Blues, it was I Brent's system is so good and, and and so useful and has so many tables and things like this that it was just a, like easy to write adventures for basically it was, it's absolutely no, I, I did my homework and I listened to one episode from every single podcast and then Thanks. I turned around and Julian back could not have rolled his one. eyes harder after you said that Jen I mean really what, Wait. Doing my homework? <laughs> is, this, is this camera on is this camera on <laughs> wait a second <laughs> but I turned around and started Dirt Boy Blues at episode one so I could get the entire storyline because just popping in in the middle of it, mm-hmm. I I had to stop halfway through and say, no, I need this from the beginning. So I, kudos, man. I don't listen to podcasts. I usually don't enjoy podcasts as, as you know, free time listening sort of thing. So, no, you hooked me. Good job. Well, I'm, I'm pleased. <laughs> I'm really pleased. But we do try to, you know, uh, I, I'm not actually a big fan of actual plays either. And we do try to 
um, add a bit of entertainment and keep our audience in mind and hope hopefully make it a bit more in- engaging than the typical one where it's just a microphone plonked into the middle of a room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I think what what I want people to understand, if you've never, if you are just hearing about this stuff and your um etc anyway i want people to understand it's like a radio play it's not it's yeah. more yeah, like it's a dramatization yeah it's yeah. it's and you can hear the dice rolling and they're in you know minoc is like a 18 you know uh d4 you know i did four points of damage or whatever and the the game is there but it's almost in the background and uh, with the sound effects mm-hmm. uh the voices uh, and oh, so God, on. And, uh, I mean, it's it's both in terms of its sort of uh, voice acting, I guess you'd say, and its uh, production. I mean, it's it's really top notch. I I can't. I would. I I can't even. I can't even really quite imagine doing a, a you know the microphone in the middle of a table of grognards, you know, scratching themselves <laughs> and uh, rolling their zaki dice and you know. Oh, wait, how many how many bugbears did you share in this room? Pass me the Cheetos, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and it's really not like that. Um, so well, the way that we we do it, we actually cut out. Uh, well, we cut obviously there's the music and the sound effects and stuff, but we also cut out any. So, so obviously, as you said, it's like a, um, a a radio play being influenced by the game. You know, that's how we tend to use it and how it ends up being edited. Because if there are any rules discussions or any boring bits, we just we just cut it out. And say, for example, if a player uses a spell, we just get him to roll, and then I'll just narrate the effect as as he's rolling it. And we keep all the numbers and the rolls and things like this. But we cut out there there are times where we're like um no how does this rule work and this that, and the other but we just you know, we yeah. chop that out because I, I find that kind of stuff it's like the the adventure uh, yeah and it, it's yeah. people's actual plays that they do their adventures can be great but there's just i don't want to sit and listen to 30 minutes of them flipping through a book or talking about something <laughs> from their personal lives or i don't know it's just uh, not not to be mean about that type of stuff but it just it, it's just never my cup of tea so i wanted to make something that more was my cup of tea if that makes sense well and also something like a 45 minute combat sequence <clears throat> like when you're actually at the oh, table yeah. could still potentially be fun if you're really invested in the battle but listening to somebody have a 45 minute combat no it's like i don't want to mm-hmm. it'd be like listening to somebody play monopoly well it, 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 won't, it doesn't soon. happen but it doesn't happen in the in the these podcasts because you've only got two characters so the uh and we'll talk about that in a minute because i think you, because you're even though you're going through many of the adventures like sailors on the starless sea on on up you're at the same time you're kind of scaling them to having two player characters obviously right yeah so yeah. And that, of course, makes the combats go slower, because, or excuse me, faster, I mean, because <laughs> then you, you've got two guys rolling and two monsters rolling against them. And it's it's sort of right size to uh, which, well, you know. Even with a big mob, it Harrison just kind of throws that stuff in the background. This is what continues to go on. And it still focuses on your two main screen characters, basically. But it's yeah. it's. It awesomely shows how easy it is. I remember when I realized the way back when I was listening to the first uh, one where Sailors is on the Foreign Beggars, and I was like, oh my God, it's, it's, he's really doing Sailors on the Starless Sea, and he's got two freaking characters, and they sound like they're zeros. <laughs> like, what the heck is it? Like, I was just kind of boggled for a minute. 
Um, but I think they were level ones. Uh, as far as I'm aware, it was two level one characters. Okay. But we, that would we, make more sense. Yeah, yeah but, but we didn't then, give I them mean, any extra equipment or anything because they were beggars. So they just had a begging bowl, like one copper piece, and then <laughs> had to go and do that. But like, yeah, as I said, I, I, had to, I definitely had to scale it a lot of the time. And if you continue to, to listen to the series as well, like when we, because it was only two of them, a lot of the encounters, they could died straight away. So they got very used to like, I'd I'd say roll initiative. And then we'd start a combat and they'd be like, right, I run away. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. and like It was nice. on <laughs> Curse of the King Spy. We played that on the podcast. And um, there's a bit where this, uh, I think this jailer has some keys and they need the keys, but instead of fighting him and killing him, they just nick the keys and then run away. And I was, I'm just like, why don't more people do this? It's the smart move to do often. So they ended up not mm-hmm. dying. It's a, it's an, it's a true OSR way to play, right? Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't have, if you, your critical path doesn't flow through that encounter, and there's nothing majorly to be gained, why the hell would you risk your neck, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Get the hell out. Uh, no, and and I think the smaller party size makes a lot of sense. It uh, first of all, it allows you to play a th- really funny third NPC, usually like Owen Lean or uh, uh, yeah, was, some yeah, some of those guys. What's the story behind those? So we have on our Patreon, which we currently don't have any tiers for. So you can spend any amount of money, and then we'll take your name and put you as a character in the show. So, for example, in Dirt Boy Blues, the cyberpunk one. The um, main boss, um, he was named after a patron. There's a goddess of law in the Foreign Beggars series who's called Zovia. That was named after a patron. Like, and every every kind of episode, I wanted to have have one of the patrons come in as a character. But the trouble is, they can't be too useful. Otherwise, I go into GMPC territory. So they're always yeah. utterly stupid or completely rubbish. And yeah, so all of these people, like they. They're either they hinder the party in some way or just useless, and and that's <laughs> extremely fun to play as a P, uh, an NPC. So is it was Dan Irwin in the Raven Lord game? Is he one of those guys too? He was, and I've actually met him in in real life as well. So he uh, he was one of our our pat- patrons, and he was supposed to be an, an incidental like one off character that was because they there was an encounter where they fought a bunch of skeletons on a beach, and then they knocked. The, one of the skeleton's body off, as in knocked his head off, but the skeleton was, the skull was still talking and they took him through the entire adventure because they just thought, <laughs> oh, cool, a talking skull. And so, yeah, the whole series, they, nice. they, this guy that was just supposed to be a one-off character, which is also a reason I, with that character, I did my uh, American accent. I was trying to do a New yeah. York accent. And yeah. it's, I've been told it was rubbish and I know that, but it was only supposed to be in it for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it it's pretty i mean the the british guy trying to do the new york accent is pr- actually pretty fun in its own right sometimes it's like <laughs> weird reservoir dogs territory or something it's uh it's uh, speaking of we would be totally remiss if we did not remind our listeners that uh the 3t podcast may not be what we call family friendly yeah because uh, it's right. usually more than one f-bomb and you get knocked off the family friendly list i tell you what it is Uh, very very difficult for me to not use that type of language now because i was raised uh in the gutter so i'm i'm very (laughs) sorry yeah i I feel you man i i'm actually feeling like i'm gonna be so liberated running games at the uk games expo (laughs) oh yeah because everyone especially that's in birmingham as well and everyone there's a, a, a an absolute reprobate 
sorry, to people from Birmingham. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're you're not you know downselling this to me, Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> so, Harrison, if I'm sitting at your table when you're running a game, what is that experience like as opposed to the experience of sitting down at the table when you're running an actual play? That is a very good question. Um, well, no, don't I... don't tell him that. No, no, Julian. It was a, okay. It was a very very good question. No. no. Very intelligent. Very Jeff. good. Thank you. Thank you. I might yes. say a very handsome question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that as well. Um, anyway, the point is, is uh, yeah. So with the with the actual plays, um, I pretty much run those how I run my home games. With a couple of notable differences, is that I will obviously if somebody says something that that we can't hear, I'll tell people to say stuff again. Often things like this. Um, also, I demand that people stay in character the whole time. And also, instead of saying, I do the thing, they have to say my character's name and also, like, announce all the dice rolls. But other than that, it's not, like, vastly different. Um, It's just that, yeah, the thing of staying in character the whole time is I think it makes for a better thing to listen to and you know who's doing what at at each turn. If if you, say, for example, um, you know, just tuning in for uh, an episode for the first time, you don't know who Nick or James is, well, then if they're in character the whole time, it doesn't really matter. Mm. So we try to keep that. But in my table games, yeah, I run them pretty much the same. Um, I, I'm i a big, big, big fan of, of you know, um, of game pace. So what I tend to do is I do run really fast games like you'll hear on the, uh, on, on the foreign beggars and things like this. And as a result, like, um, yeah, it wasn't that much of a transition. It's just a few things that I need to remind the players of. And there are times where... They've the, the players will go off on one and just be talking absolute rubbish. There was a sequence in uh, one of the Raven Lord episodes where they went to buy a hat and I cut the entire thing out because it was funny, but it was half an hour of people buying a hat. Yeah. And I, I was just like, we can't have this. Mm. And so there will be times where I just go, okay, we, we need to stop that. That's getting cut from the episode. And I wish I could do that in my table games. <laughs> we could just go, no, this is boring. <laughs> I was going to say, talk about false advertising. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because definitely, I mean, I've, I've been there where I'm running games and the players are getting so stuck in analysis paralysis and they're just like, well, maybe we can do this and maybe we can God, do that. Or yes. what if we went over here? And I guess how how do you keep the how do you keep the game going when you're just running a regular game? Well, I I find that um, if we're if like um, you know if the players are playing on a actual play, they I think they're more likely to act impulsively, and that's m- means that there's very little of this really long tedious planning, mm-hmm. which can be really really fun in a table game. But on the actual play, they tend to they tend to act really impulsively because they know that there's an audience and people have to um, that we've got to get it moving. You know, if they were just standing there planning for ages, it would be a bit dull. Which is why actually the um, Cyber Sprawl Classics one that we did, um, Dirt Boy Blues. The reason that I chose that premise for it and not a Shadowrun type thing is because Shadowrun and that type of game is always planning. It's always getting the blueprints, mm-hmm. casing the joint, things like this. And so instead, yeah, I said they're two, you know, um, what the hell are they? Like interns at a really, really terrible marketing oh, company. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's basically it. And it so- was brilliant. Down to Gary Busey. That was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. See so, now, uh, listeners, you got to li- you got to listen to that one just to f- just to figure out what mm-hmm. Jen's talking so, about. So next question: asking for a friend here. Um, say you do a podcast with people about gaming, and um, 
you know, one, one person is kind of into the actual play idea and one person and one other person is into it. But the third person is just kind of maybe AP curious, you know, but not <laughs> but not really sold on it. Like how, uh, you know, how do you how do you, uh, you know, convince that third person to, uh, you know, take the plunge? Uh, I think I think it, are you definitely sure this is for a friend. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, it's for uh, Judge. It's for Jason Hobbs. He wants to do an AP with. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I I actually am not sure because when I suggested the idea to uh, uh, my two co-hosts, they were really up for it and really wanted to do it. And so I I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, because it means getting together in uh, in one place and yep. playing a game together at the same table. On a regular basis, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, we 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 have our weekly group, but I was like, I want to play more games, and so what I do, I'll just I'll just be like, well, I'll just turn it into work, and then I get to do it and say it's it's because it's work, you know. Oh. So there you go. Oh. <laughs> oh, that hurt. That hurts my heart. The, the, the <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I mean it in a good way. But yeah. when it becomes work, it's no longer fun. I, I yeah, at least over I here. So. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe that's an American thing. Though it makes me very happy. No, the enthusiasm for the the whole uh, team or whatever, the whole group is is pretty um, is right out there. You know, it's, it's not it's the, nobody's phoning it in. Obviously, no, they're they're really really great players actually. And uh, funny enough, um, James is a is he's he's a spectacular player. But um, at the table, he is he's the type of guy that usually uses his phone during games and things like this. And he's just got a girlfriend as well, so it's got even worse. And mm. um, yeah, but but during the actual play, yeah, Nick and James really bring their A game, and I think their characters are. Uh, and it's not me blowing my own trumpet, but I think the way they play it and their characters are very well realized, and they're really talented, which is makes my job a lot easier on that show because I'm just like, well, sometimes I can just sit back and just listening to those two have a conversation. Like during mm-hmm. the first Dirt Boy Blues, they're arguing over who has to open the door to the boss's office, and it's really funny. And that was another one actually that went on for far longer than it should. And I had to cut it right down. <laughs> the, uh, no, but I can think of those moments, like when they're trying to buy the cloth for the parachutes in the, in the America. <laughs> I forgot but, about that. I mean, then what do you like these kitchen knives? You know, that thing that, I mean, Oh, that was, it, yeah, that was really silly. So it's, yeah, it's we, just we, color, but it's, but it is pretty, it is pretty fun. That, and those are the touches that, that, you know, that make it uh, pretty special. Um, so if- Jeff, what I'm what I'm taking from this and the answer to your previous question is we just need to set the microphone on the table in front of our groups. Hey, there you go. That that'll stop the paralysis and all that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, it doesn't even have to be on. Just put it in front of them, and also it'll stop people from eating crisps loudly while you're speaking, mm, <laughs> which is good. So Harrison, have you have you thought of just like somehow destroying James's love life to make sure you get his undivided attention at the table? Because it's for the good of the group, right? I mean, it's, you, uh, there's uh, there's thought about it and actively horrible. planning it right now. Okay, okay, great. Well, enough said. So, um, very good. So, uh, let's talk about the the adventures you've run. So you've run some DCC adventures, as we've said. In Foreign mm-hmm. Beggars, I might have missed one, but I think I've got a good list. You did um, uh, Sailors. You did yep. uh, Intrigue at the Court of Chaos, Curse of the King Spire. Uh, the most 
obscene and perverse rendition of the croaking fane that I could imagine. Um, I think <laughs> to, to me, all of the it did, yeah, that did get weird, and that there got was, a little. Uh, can steamy. I say frog orgy? Yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was there was a frog orgy. It's uh, you know. I thought that 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 part of the setting was, was that part of the adventure was heavily implied in the in the adventure. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I didn't go back and read that bit in the adventure. I've run it once and had a great time with my uh, with my home posse. But they, I had the feeling that they just missed finding the aphrodisiac potion. Yeah, because um, that is, that is in there. I, I'm, I was uh, for a minute there. I was beginning to think that I dreamt it, but yeah, there's there's this part in the adventure where um, you you see like a, a big big load of frogs, and I was like, oh no, this is going to be a horrible encounter to listen to. And uh, fortunately, they they made it much better by one of them slapped another guy with a glove that made him want to attack him, and one of them got hit with these pheromones, and they all started trying it on with each other. It was <laughs> it was, it was t- terrible stuff. <laughs> it's uh yeah. Did I did I miss one or was that the was that no the, I, th- I, th- I think that's men- it you mentioned America where did that come up oh that's that's in one of the later ones the setting it's not one of the adventures but rather um, uh, Grimald ends up there uh, and it's just perfectly done I mean I think maybe that's my favorite I don't know if that's my favorite of all of them or at least the foreign beggars one but that one is really uh, the weird Mike guy who's chasing them. And uh, yeah, that one was basically like I wanted to 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 run America, and I came up with the most you know nineties like way of having them uh, go to the American world despite being fantasy characters. And um, yeah, so they they essentially had to get somewhere, but they realised it was safer if they went to another dimension, then portaled back up to their dimension and did the walk somewhere else. But it actually was way way worse because they went to America and were being stalked by this hideous um character called mike who's like this he's just he's just like an insane almost silent murderer and it's it's it was a very fun adventure to run (laughs) yeah no he's a sort of terminator and the hitcher like kind of into rolled into one guy or something like a horror movie uh you know jason Voorhees or whatever and that setting is amazing People that, that are listening to this now, you should buy Umer- the American Survival Guide, or is it just no? There's yeah. no, no there yeah, is a there. Yeah. America, yeah. And there's a brand new book out now, at least in PDF, right? America Unnatural, with psionics rules and uh, some other stuff. Anyway, but uh, Forest and the Monster Menagerie came out before that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, there's there's tons of good stuff. I I myself plugging shamelessly plugging an America adventure that I did. So yes, Burger Wars, buy it, buy buy one for yourself and buy one for Grandma because Grandma wants America. Have you have you? Uh, so okay, question on Dirt Boy Blues first. You called the city Epsilon City. Is there like any metamorphosis Alpha Epsilon City in there? I haven't got. It's not lost on me. I haven't got uh, all the I, way um, in there. Uh, it was an accident. Um, I only. I, I am aware of Metamorphosis Alpha, but I only realized about the fact that I'd accidentally nicked the name. But then after I, 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 I thought it was too cool a name, so I just left it as it is instead of renaming it. Hmm. Every time you say it, I laugh my butt off because we're in the middle of Epsilon City in our MA game. And nice. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, this could have, well, no, this, 
I wish this could happen. <laughs> <laughs> then they could, they could, in theory, go through a portal and end up in a parallel Epsilon city on a generation starship fighting crazy robots and mutants and everything else then easily. Mm-hmm. With the t- types of nonsense games I run, that's, de- that's definitely possible. Yeah. I, I love mm. that first arc of Foreign Beggars because of how it evolves, just sort of like any home table game would, from, hey, I'll run Sailors, hey, I'll run Intrigue at the Court of Chaos, and so on. And then I'll let things germinate to the point where somebody decides to hit a chaotic egg with a chaotic sword. And then we'll just let the bad choices they've made sort of blossom into their own last adventure arc, right? Um, yeah, and that just grew out of everything that had come before at that point. We kind of wanted to demo how easy it is to chain adventures together. If you're that type of person who wants to do that and how to alter it and have a big story. And yeah, and eventually it just it it was just them that their the stuff they were doing made the rest of the adventures for me. I was just like, well, it's all writes itself. I'm very, very happy with this. But um the thing is as well, it's the first episode is is okay, I think, but the second episode is where it really kicks off with the intrigue at the Court of Chaos, and that's that is, I think, the way that they played it was super, super interesting, and um, I also think that that's the best DCC adventure ever written, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun one with the potions and uh, all that stuff. The so Yopeless Egg. Yeah, and every time, I've run that a number of times, and every time, I... I there's part of me that sometimes when you see it, you go, I bet the players aren't going to backstab each other this time. And then they do. They always do. When it gets to the end and do, they have to decide who to give the egg to, you, all the players are suddenly turn on each other. I'm like, this is, this is why I play DCC. Yeah. Yes. So what did you say is next in your lineup? After Dirt Billy Blues? Yeah, um, that wrapped up. So we're going to do a, hopefully a longer one now um, called Wizard Cops. And it's... Um, it's going to be basically uh, cops in a city setting, Lankmar-ish, and they're going to be, yeah, they're wizards. They're magic cops that um, go after people that are, have done magic crimes. Mm. Um, in addition to this, the, the alignments are, I've, I've, now I'm going to forget them, I'm going to blank, but it's by the book, loose cannon, and I am the law. Those are the three alignments ah. that you can be. So, yeah, it's, it's just a little thing that uh, I stole off a friend who was running a table game of it. And I, I was just like, oh, tell me more, tell me more. And I was like, right, I'm stealing your idea for an actual play. So it's going to okay. be hopefully like a 70s buddy cop type thing, but set in a fantasy universe. That's that's what we're trying to go for. Are you using DCC for that? And are you using Lankmar for that? Yeah, it's... it's no, um, it's going to be... Um, Fanning City from Foreign Beggars, so it's a prequel, oh. and it's going to be DCC and the annual because it's you know super seventies. Nice. So one of the main characters, uh, the one James is going to play, has a magic mustache, yeah. which he yes. grew. Yes. Yeah, and um, his character essentially in that in that particular one, he's going to be that he was once captured by a drug cartel, and when he was only fourteen, and he had to f- like forcefully grow a mustache through sheer force of will to break from his bonds and it was it's really dumb but it's it should be fun that's amazing so do you generate these characters ahead of time or do they yeah but yeah we we all kind of do it together and um we this was like discussion after discussion we were trying to figure out what would be a fun dynamic for a buddy cop and so that's kind of cool 
Oh. Yeah, James is James is going to be playing this like like his character is this like superimposing no nonsense mustache for days cop, and then there's um, Nick's character who he's playing a Sherlock Holmes type who's addicted to opiates and things like this. So it should be fun, <laughs> and and I just think the this I wanted to sort of play up the uh, the investigative nature of the of. Um, this particular like actual plan, try and do something a bit different with DCC, and hopefully, hopefully it works. We'll are see. you gonna Are you gonna do the Better Call Saul thing where you'll like at the end of this arc, you'd you'd see the beginnings of Minuck and Grimmauld around somewhere, like you know, rusted I was out. Planning, by... I was planning to do something like that, but um, yeah, well, but spoiler, but I've, yes. but I've totally spoiled it now. Yeah, you know, it doesn't oh, matter. Right. It's fine. That sucks. <laughs> oh, sorry. All right, hey. uh, one other thing you're doing, tell us about your uh, your 3T RPG products. You shared one of those with us, the 100 Weird Widgets. Yeah. It's so um, cool. So, yep. Yeah. Oh, thanks very much, man. Um, yeah, so we, we've been uh, making a couple of products recently. Um, we've got a couple of little toolkits out there, first of all. First one that we did was 78 Hamlet Happenings. And it's pound fifty, and it's 78 different events that can happen in a town. So every time the players return or if a week passes, whatever, it's got 78 events and you draw from a tarot deck to uh, determine the events. Hence 78. Exactly, nice. yeah. And, um, yeah, the, the one we just did, which is would be good for uh, MCC or America or something like this, is a um, uh, 100 Weird Widgets, which is an OSR product, all for... Um, yes, good idea. Jeff's just holding up some dice. So it's a hundred um, different weird, strange gadgets. So Jeff, roll and let's see. Let's see what one you got. I just rolled a twelve, which is oh. the Extendo sixty four nuclear power edition. <laughs> Utilizing the power of the atom, we bring you the world's first sixty four thousand bit video game system. The Xtendo 64 features graphics better than real life and hit games such as Final Fantasy 15,687 and Tree Simulator. Comes with one controller, a thermonuclear power unit, and a copy of Murderball 98. Thanks, man. I'm going to play the Tree Simulator. (laughs) Sounds very relaxing. My favorite is number 13, military-grade cheese. Price rating one. Declassified non-perishable cheese comes in three varieties: brown, green, and octarine. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, well, as you can probably tell, a lot of the items there. What we wanted to do in that book was try to have ones that players would find a use for. Something that doesn't see the the like a nuclear-powered video games console, for example, could be an easy way to in- acquire nuclear materials. Or there's one like called the Robutler that is just. It's just um, a tray with a bow tie and a hand that gestures towards whatever it's serving. We thought <laughs> if you put a grenade on that and send it into the next room, now that you've got something worth buying, you know? So that was kind of what we we're going for. But actually, our next product, we're doing a zero level funnel for DCC. Um, this sci fi thing. Yeah. Mm. And it's called mm. um, Escape, from St- Escape from Station 17. And it's heavily inspired by Half Life and it's. Um, it's a sci-fi thing where you have to escape from a prison and it's a prison break where everyone suddenly gets out of their cells due to a power cut and then runs riot. And it's going to come with um, some new monsters, um load of pre-generated characters if you can't be bothered to generate your own and the adventure as well. So it should be pretty good. Awesome. And it'll be cheap as well, hopefully. When, uh, when is that due to hit? Yeah. 
I the, it's it's basically mostly done. I should have it completed by Monday, but I'm I'm not entirely aware of the DCC licensing thing. So I, I think I need to send it to Goodman, and then they have a quick once over, and hopefully yeah. they mm-hmm. like it. And yep. then then it, so it should be out Monday or Tuesday, something like that. Which is terrible actually, because awesome. I should probably give a date. I don't know, two days from now. There we go. So um, so listeners, we'll say like mid March ish. Yeah. When yeah. you're hearing this, yeah. when listeners are hearing this, it will be out there. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's, yeah sure. it's going from Station 17. So, yeah, we wanted to, yeah, we, we I really enjoy writing for OSR uh, um, styles. And we our first two products, you know, they're pretty cool if you want something for randomly generating stuff. But, yeah, we wanted to get out there and do some more adventures as well because Nick and I have actually written together um, adventures in the past for different systems. And now we like, I, as you can probably tell, I love DCC, so we wanted to write something for that. So, And I think a, a funnel is a good way to go. Well, I if you were still doing Grimald and Miney or ever thinking of coming back, I would say mm. Temple of the Hamster would be my number one um, oh, choice. I, I just they yeah. would they would fit so I could see that so well into that. Um, I was That's thinking been of recommended that. to me mm-hmm. a lot actually. Yeah, I no, it's, it's right in your three T style of humor, and mm-hmm. uh, it's great and it's fun and. Um, toddler baby gladiators and you know everything so yeah uh great stuff. sounds like my kind of thing yeah absolutely well i think uh we probably got to get going and wrap it up and let you go to bed because it's like 4 a.m or something <laughs> over there i don't i don't know exactly but um tuesday yeah where, so harrison 11. where's where's the best place to go and you know find the podcasts and find your products and so on yeah, so um, 3T RPG Publishing on DriveThruRPG, the 3T RPG Podcast on pretty much everything. We're on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, all the all the lot. So, yeah, if you want to find us, yeah, just search up 3T RPG Podcast. And, yeah, our products are all on DriveThru. So if you could um, buy them and uh, also buy 10 for friends and uh, if you want, just buy 100. Yeah, you can buy multiple PDFs and then hand them out to people or something, right? I mean, you know, yeah. just, yeah. So just buy a uh, hundred just in case you need them. All right. And, then, that's all. and you print out each one. So that's the main thing. Yeah. Well, uh, and if people want to get a hold of you, Harrison, and write you fan mail or make um, silly suggestions that you'll probably ignore, what's the best way to contact you? 3trpgpod at gmail.com. I, oh, I, I, or contact me on my phone number, which is, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Would you want to give James's uh, since he likes his cell phone? Should we? Uh, do you want to? Give That's James a great idea. <laughs> Although I think that will only make the problem worse. <laughs> if, if people like random internet people start phoning him up at the game, yeah, Although that is a good. That is a quite a funny idea, and I might do it. Does he ever get like texted during a podcast and sort of start ignoring everything and laughing and drunkenly? Okay, never mind. Not All during right. not during the actual plays, but during some of the uh, other episodes. Actually, yes. But I'm, I'm really I'm, <laughs> I'm lucky because I know he, he won't listen to this. <laughs> well, I uh, he's a, he's a Rude. I think he's a quite a good well, guy. Exactly. Then. He yes. he but, but he know, he doesn't follow anything I do. He's a terrible friend. Rude. Oh, also, yes. Yeah, sorry, James. In case you're listening, love you. Well, there you have it. There you have it, James. Uh, we love you. Um, 
or maybe not. But uh, Harrison, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, great to have you. Uh, I think uh, if you if listeners haven't checked out uh, Foreign Beggars and the rest, uh, now is the time. And uh, the products are a lot of fun, and we're all going to be waiting for Wizard Cops. And um, say it one more time for Escape from Station 17. Did I get it right? That's the one, yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Um, So thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been your Spellburn 93. And uh, keep emails coming into us. We're restocking, which is great. We really appreciate it. Uh, Email us at theband at spellburn.com. Leave us some iTunes reviews. Uh, don't let Harrison be the only guy who generously gives us bumpers. They don't have to be as well produced as his. Just send us some bumpers. It's really fun. Uh, and with that, I'm just going to say game on. You've been listening to Spellburn, copyright 2017. Theme song has been graciously provided by Glitter Wizard. Learn more at glitterwizard.fancamp.com.